We pray today that you speak to us, that uh, we would just begin, I would say, I wouldn't say just begin, God, that you would show us and reveal to us your power and your majesty. We thank you for the fact that uh, we get to celebrate today that you are crowned victorious, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you sit on the throne and that you are reigning and you will reign forever. And so we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn to Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine, a typical uh, Christmas text, but at the same time, we're gonna be looking at this text from just a, a, a little bit different perspective uh, on, on this. If you remember anything that we've been doing this cradle, the cross and the crown sermon series, and we started off with this idea of, of Jesus being born in a manger, born of a virgin. He wasn't born like any other king would be expected to be, which we've talked about in the past. And then we jumped into the cross that the reality of the cradle leads us to the cross. Without the cross, Christmas has no meaning, has no value or purpose. And, and, and don't get me wrong, you can give gifts all you want, but the greatest gift that was ever given was the fact that Jesus gave himself, that God sent his son to die on the cross for the sins of mankind. And so we, we dug into that. We saw the importance of uh, that, that, that Jesus being born of a virgin, we saw the importance of Jesus being uh, led to the cross or sacrificing himself. And, and the truth of the matter is, while there is more to Christmas than the cradle and the cross, we also can see that the, the truth or, or the, the, the reality is that the crown is the ultimate uh, and so what we want to do, uh, what I want to do is to jump into scripture today. If you look at Isaiah chapter nine, let's read that real quick. Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse six, it says, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given. And listen to what he says, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Now get this, verse seven. Of the increase or of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So I want you to begin to understand what's kind of taking place here. He says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So this idea of increase is this idea of territory or kingdom, how it's an ever-expanding, always-growing, never-ending kingdom that God has established through Jesus and that Jesus will reign for eternity over and over forever. And so we dig into that. So he says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Listen to what he says, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And it says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So it's important for us to understand what's taking place here when we start talking about this idea of a crown. A crown is huge. As a matter of fact, if you were to think of crowns, we can go back through history and think of different kings and rulers and leaders. Uh, maybe you look at the United States government and obviously we would say they're not a king, but at the same time, a president oftentimes operates with what? Ultimate authority. He's kind of the head or the ruler to a certain extent while right, rightfully so voted in. He is the ruler over the United States. But if you go back and think about it, whether it's King James 
Or if you think about some of the kings and rulers back in the day in in Great Britain and England, or if you think about pharaohs and Caesars and different things like that, there's this idea of this reign of a king. But I want you to begin to understand this, that the ultimate ruler, the ultimate reign, the ultimate king is Jesus. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 27 says this, the crown This is talking about the crown of of God, the crown of his kingdom will not be restored until he whom it rightfully belongs to shall come and to him I will give it. So here's the reality of what's taking place. Ezekiel is prophesying about the future coming of the king that Jesus would come and, and listen, the crown, this eternal crown is not going to be given to anybody else, but only to Jesus. And so there's this establishment of the crown. And so you have this idea that the cradle was the beginning, the cross was the climactic middle where the hero has what would appear to be a setback, right? Anybody, if you you watch TV much, matter of fact, as you come to the end of a season in in, in your, what we'll call just your TV shows, there's always this climactic thing that happens, right? There's this climax and it's almost like maybe your character is getting written off or whatever else. So there's this cross where Jesus goes to the cross and it's this climactic ending, like people think, oh, it's over. When the reality is, it's kind of just the beginning There's this climax where Jesus dies, but he rises again. So there's this point, but here's the result. As a result of Jesus' resurrection, we know that he's coming back because he says he's coming back. But right now we're at the end of that season going, when? What's gonna happen next? How does this play out? And so today's sermon title is this idea of the reign of the king. You know, over the last week, I've spent a lot of time kind of listening to the radio as I drove back and forth, and I've heard a number of conversations. Uh, the other one I heard, one I heard on, on Wednesday this week was, who's better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Now, everybody who grew up watching MJ goes, of course, it's Michael Jordan. But then you watch LeBron James, and you'd go, okay, LeBron's got some specific things that he does. You know, if I was to classify uh, LeBron James, I would definitely say he would be like, you know, if we want to call it that, the Mount Rushmore of basketball, right? But then there was this argument here today. Now, I'm going to offend some of you Chiefs fans, all right? But let's just be realistic here. While Patrick Mahomes is good and leaning towards great, he does not have a Hall of Fame career yet, all right? Now, so the argument was, who's better? Long term right now. Who's got it right now? Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes? Now, again, I, right? <laughs> I got Gus over here. You guys are going <laughs> to, right? Right? So now here's, here's the reason why I bring this up. Because the reality is you and I both know that in the overarching scheme of things, none of this really matters, does it? But there's going to be arguments over who is better consistently. But the truth of the matter is when we get to Jesus, there cannot be an argument over who is crowned king of kings and lord of lords because there's only one. There is no Mount Rushmore of religious figureheads, if we want to classify it as that. There is only one king, 
There's the only one who reigns, eternal, immortal, forever, that all things are bound together by him and through him, that all things are held together for him, that all things are for his benefit. And so I want you to begin to see this, that while the cradle was the beginning and the cross might have been that climactic middle, there is a giant comeback. And that giant comeback is leaving this door wide open for when Jesus arrives on the next scene or at the next scene. Why? Because that is when he establishes his kingdom forever. So listen to me when I say this, the crown, make no mistake about it, that the crown is the reality of Jesus reigning supreme forever. Now, here's what I really want to talk about when we begin to think about this, because I believe one of the most difficult things that we're seeing right now is this. We acknowledge that by word. But for many believers, we deny it by our actions. And here's the reason why I say that. Because if you think about the story of Christmas, the shepherds out in the fields, they're walking towards, they're looking for this coming Messiah. They're heading that way. They're following the star. But they were what? Afraid. And the angel says what? Fear not. Now, Here's what we have to begin to think about, and I, I believe that we have to understand and we have to begin to build our lives upon it. We have to remind ourselves of this, that for many of us, this year has wreaked havoc on our lives, havoc on our faith, and as a result has called us to question this truth. Is he really supreme? Is he really on the throne? Does he care about me? Where is my value? Where is my purpose? What do I do? How do I get through the difficult times? How do I get through the struggles and the, and the difficult circumstances? All of us, I would say in some way, shape or form have had to deal with that this year. But I wanna remind us of the truth of God's word when he says this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, listen to me, and I hope you hear me out. I don't care where you're at, but if you think that that's talking about the United States government, you've been misled, all right? <laughs> okay, this is not talking about Jewish government. This is not talking about Roman government. This is not talking about the government of the United States or anything else. This is talking about the expanding government or the kingdom or the rule and reign of the kingdom of God on earth and in this world. And so here's what I want you to remember. If you remember anything else is this, that Jesus, listen, will reign, not might reign, not someday could. No, Jesus will reign. As a matter of fact, he does reign now as king over his eternal kingdom with peace and with justice and with righteousness. So remember that. Jesus will reign as king over his eternal kingdom with peace and justice and righteousness. It's important for us to keep that in mind. And so I want to jump in again to this text, and we're going to reference a couple other texts so you begin to understand that he is awaiting. Listen, his appointed time to come back. That the king is awaiting his appointed time to come back. So there are three things I want us to see today from this text, and we're gonna expand on that just a little bit by looking at some other texts. But I want you to see this. Number one, Jesus is king of kings. Number one, Jesus is king of kings. Listen again what he says in verse six. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And then listen to what he says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So Jesus is king of kings. And what we have to begin to understand is this. From his very birth, from the time he is born, Christ was recognized as king. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about it, the reason the shepherds were following him is because they told him that the savior was gonna be born. The reason the wise men sought him is they sought him because they knew he was gonna be crowned king of what? King of the Jews is what they were identifying. But as a result, you have to begin to also understand when it talks about that the government will be on his shoulders and the increase of his government, there will be no end. There is something that transpires here in this text, as well as when we look at Matthew and Luke's narratives about the, 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 the whatever, the nativity scene, uh, that we begin to see that the increase of Jesus' government is a threat to who? Worldly rulers, worldly kings, kingdoms, and authorities that, listen, put themselves in contradiction to God's word. So please hear me out when I talk about this. When we start to look at it and we see of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Please know this, that while Jesus seeks to, 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 to seek out peace and justice, there are other governments and other rulers and other kings that seek the opposite. Matter of fact, they'll even seek violence against anyone who stands against or stands for, sorry, the truth of the gospel. So Jesus is king of kings. And so listen, if we were to jump to Matthew chapter one, you would see this, or Matthew even chapter two, you'd see it when Herod comes out. If you know anything about it, the shepherds are heading to go and worship. They're following the star. As they follow the star, they're, they're dealing with fear and things like that, but they're told not to worry, not to be afraid. Why? Because I bring good news of great joy. And then we know the story of the Magi, right? And the Magi are going out to visit, and they're going to offer their, their presents, their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus. And as they do, they come to Herod. And Herod says what? Why don't you tell me where this king is going to be born? Because I want to go and do what? Worship him. When the reality is, Herod saw him as a threat. That Herod set out and desired to kill Jesus. And listen, any time an authoritarian figure, let's say a king or anything else, seems to be or feels to be threatened by another king or another leader, another ruler, what we see throughout history is they put him to death. Even to the point where some fathers killed their sons because they were afraid their son was after their throne. I mean, all you gotta do is go and read the history of some of the kings and stuff back in the day and you're like, oh my gosh. The wickedness that would take place. So listen to me, something about his kingship inspired allegiance. It inspired loyalty. It inspired devotion. Wise men brought him gifts. Shepherds fell in worship. During Jesus' ministry, his claims and his calls on people's lives were total and absolute. Listen, you cannot have a divided loyalty because he demands complete devotion. You and I cannot have a divided loyalty when it comes to worshiping this king of king. Why? Because he demands complete devotion of myself. And one of the things I talked about this, this, this over the last couple months is I believe wholeheartedly that there has been an attack on our faith. 
that some are willing to give in to a divided loyalty. When Jesus is calling for complete devotion, in the midst of everything that has gone on in our society, in our, in our, in our current worldly situation, some have chosen to cater, cower, and to shrink back and to say, I'm not gonna do anything. When I believe church is our utmost priority, that we don't cater, that we don't cower, but we step forward, that we walk by faith, that we walk with boldness, with great expectation, with great truth, knowing, listen, that everything that God said would happen in scripture is happening. That everything he says is going to happen will happen. You can bet on it. You can bank on it. You can bet on it if you want to, right? But it's going to happen. You cannot have a divided loyalty. You have to choose either my faith is in Jesus or my faith is in my government. Either my faith is in Jesus or my faith is in other people. My faith has to be in Jesus. Jesus is the only rock solid foundation I have because my faith in other people, in my government and the people around me will always fail. Your government's gonna let you down. Your friends are gonna let you down. Your family at some point is gonna let you down. It doesn't mean you isolate, separate, and just forget about them. What I'm telling you though is if your faith is in those things rather than people, those are going to fail. When your faith is in those people rather than Jesus, that is a problem. See, men and women, listen, men and women left everything they had in Scripture. They left businesses, homes, they left family in order to follow and give themselves completely to Jesus. Are you committed to that? Why? Why would I be committed to that? Because he is the king of kings. He's the ultimate ruler and authority. And listen, while we cannot understand the complete Christmas story until we understand him as king of kings and lord of lords, I want you to see Hebrews chapter one. Matter of fact, Hebrews one, great text, great truth behind it. But listen to Hebrews chapter one, starting in verse one, going through verse four. It says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. So we can look at scripture, right? that God spoke to our forefathers, those who had gone before him, through the prophets. But listen to this. At many times in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Listen to verse three. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Do you hear that reality of what's taking place that, that, that God is trying to reveal to us? That Jesus is on a whole nother level than everybody else. Why? Because when he sat down or when he provided the purification of sins, then he sat down where? On the throne. He provided purification of sins on the cross. He rose again, defeating sin, defeating death. And now listen, he sits on his throne. Jesus is king of kings. Listen to Psalm chapter 45. As a matter of fact, it's actually communicated in Hebrews chapter one, starting in verse seven, but it says this, your throne, O God, will last forever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Your lo you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. This is talking about Jesus. 
in Psalm chapter 45. Reiterated and re-strengthened by Hebrews chapter one, starting in verse seven. So listen, Jesus will reign as king over everything, but over his eternal kingdom with peace and with justice and righteousness. So number one, Jesus is king of kings. I want you to see this. The second thing, Jesus reigns with peace, justice, and righteousness. Matter of fact, Jesus' reign stands in stark contradiction to any other type of kingly reign. If you look at most kings back in the day, there was a reason they rose to kingship. And I wouldn't necessarily call it justice. Right? Like, it was, it was justice if you were on his side. But a lot of times it was injustice. It was power. It was authority more than anything else. But Jesus, his reign stands in stark contradiction. Matter of fact, if you were to look at the story of Herod, Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 16, Herod was intimidated by Jesus to the point that he set out not only to destroy Jesus, but because he couldn't identify and find where Jesus was to destroy who? all the boys that were under the age of two. So Jesus reigns with peace, whereas Herod reigned with power. Herod's idea with power was to destroy those that stood against him when Jesus' idea of power is that he responds with justice and righteousness. Matter of fact, the justice idea is this, that we get what we don't deserve through the justice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus' justice is that he paid the price so that you and I wouldn't have to pay the price that we couldn't pay. So when we talk about this crown idea, this reign, this eternal reign of Jesus, we begin to understand that Jesus reigns with peace in the midst, listen, of the pessimism and gloom and despair of our current hour, Jesus came to bring peace, not fear. That's why in Luke chapter two, verse 10, when he shows up to the shepherds and the angel says, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for some people. No, it's all people. That Jesus' reign is for all people. Now, there's got to be a response to that. But in the midst of, listen, a gloomy, dark, difficult circumstances at the time that Jesus was born is no different than the gloomy, dark, pessimistic, negative circumstances that seem to be revolving in our or, or, or taking place in our current setting in our world. And here's what Jesus' reign offers, peace. The Bible says a peace that passes all understanding. That Jesus would be our shalom, our peace. That in the midst of everything that takes place, that we have hope See, the hope that was given to the shepherds on the first Christmas morning is only available to those who believe in Jesus. The hope and peace that Jesus offers is only available to those who believe. To know the freedom, the joy, the peace, and the power that come through Christ, we must personally receive him by faith. So that's the promise. Jesus reigns with peace. How do I have peace in my life? You have to have a relationship with him. How do I have justice in my life? You have to have a relationship with him. Do you want to know why? 
Because the truth of the matter is the justice that you deserve is not the justice you desire. Without Jesus' sacrifice, the justice you deserve is the justice you get. Without Jesus' death on the cross, you and I have no hope. Why? Because there's no payment for sin. As a result, if there's no payment for sin, then I have no relationship with God. If I have no relationship with God, then I'm doomed to my circumstances and everything is around me. I have no peace. And as a result, justice is only going to be me getting what I deserve, not what I don't deserve. Jesus' death on the cross gives us the justice that we desire. That is the freedom from our sins to walk in a relationship with him. And so Jesus reigns with peace and justice and righteousness. To know the freedom and joy and peace and power that come through Christ, I have to receive him by faith. And so listen, from these two powerful events, Jesus' birth and Jesus' death, God says to this, God says this to us, that I love you and I love you with an everlasting love and I love you with a forgiving love. I want you to think about it this way. If Jesus reigns with peace and justice and righteousness, do I have the peace of Jesus? Am I justified by Jesus? Do I have the righteousness of Jesus? If you answer those in any way, shape, or form with a no, then you don't know Jesus. Here's what I love. Listen, listen to Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria was once heard telling a preacher who had preached on the subject of Jesus' reign. And listen to what she says. And I, th- I find this fascinating. I think it would be unbelievable to, to be able to witness this. She says, I wish that Jesus would come back in my lifetime so that I could lay my crown at his feet. A quote by Queen Victoria. I mean, think about that. You are a ruler, a person who reigns over a nation or a kingdom in some way, shape, or form. And she acknowledges that I just wish Jesus would come back in my lifetime so that I could lay my crown, a crown that's going to perish, a crown that's going to fade, a crown that's not worth anything in the scope of things in eternity. And she says, I just wish I could do that so that I could lay my crown at his feet. So Jesus is king of kings, number one. Jesus reigns with peace and justice and righteousness. In other words, the righteousness that we don't get what we deserve if we have a relationship with him, but that we get what he has given to us, the greatest gift of all. And then number three, I want you to see is this. Jesus' kingdom is eternal. Going back to Isaiah chapter nine, it says this, of the increase of his government... In other words, this growing, expanding kingdom of God going forward and peace, there will be no end. Catch that figure out. And I know, listen, we're in Kansas City. What do we call this? Chiefs what? Chiefs kingdom, right? Well, Chiefs kingdom is limited, right? To Kansas City Chiefs fans. Let's, Let's be realistic, right? Jesus' kingdom is limited to what we'll call Jesus fans or people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. But listen to what he says. It is an ever-expanding kingdom. It's an ever-expanding kingdom made up of people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus' kingdom is eternal. It is an increasing kingdom. And it says he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So listen, Luke chapter 30, or sorry, Luke chapter one, verses 32 and 33 says this, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. That's the promised hope. So when we talk about the cradle, the cross and the crown is the idea that we begin to understand that God's kingdom will never end. That when Jesus was born of a virgin, when Jesus was born as a child in the manger, in this cradle, that it was the beginning of the never ending kingdom that he had come to establish forever and ever. That Jesus even right now sits on the throne. And listen to me, if you read anything about scripture, you'll know this, that he is sitting on the throne as we speak right now. And he waits patiently. Matthew chapter 24. He's waiting patiently, listen, because he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to faith in Jesus, all to believe. He desires He has a heart for people to believe and put their faith and trust in him. He's sitting on the throne and he's waiting patiently. And here's what he's waiting for. The voice of the father to say now. Now is the time. Now is the time that you're gonna go back. Now is the time that you're gonna receive or you're gonna accept, you're gonna take, you're gonna meet up with those who are mine who have been bought and been purchased by the blood of you, my lamb, my child, the one I sent to pay for their sins. And you're gonna purchase them and you've purchased them and you're gonna meet up with them and you're gonna establish my kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is eternal. And listen, here's, here's the ultimate truth that the Bible teaches that there will be a close to history. The Bible teaches that there will be a close to history as we know it. But listen, his story is the only story that will last forever. So while history will come to an end, his story will not. His kingdom will not. He will rule and reign with great authority and with great expectation. And in the end, when it seems like humanity is about to destroy itself, God is going to intervene and Christ will return to reign forever. As a matter of fact, there was a popular song that we used to sing. I remember singing it growing up. The king is coming. Anybody remember that song? The king is coming. Praise God. He's coming for. Anybody remember that song? Oh, man, he's coming for me. Powerful song. To go listen to, to think about and understand that Jesus is coming back. That his reign is gonna be eternal. That he is coming for me and for you. The king is coming. And listen, when he comes, sin will be eliminated. Tears and sorrow will be no more. Disease and sickness will be cured and death will be eliminated forever. And listen to Hebrews chapter two, verses eight and nine. Now, in putting everything under him, 
He left nothing. God left nothing that is not subject to Jesus. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You see the promise? Do you see the eternal aspect of what's taking place? That Jesus tastes death for everyone. He pays the price that you and I couldn't pay. And so here's the truth. Christmas, I believe wholeheartedly, should be a time of renewed hope. Hope. Not chaos. Hope. Hope not in what you buy or what you're going to get or what you can give, but hope in the greatest gift of all. That's Jesus Christ, the gift that just keeps on giving. Hope in the truth of knowing God is going to bring out order or bring order out of chaos, order out of chaos, peace over fear, life over death. You know, and and I, I feel like I feel like everybody's kind of in the same boat. Will we not say that? That the chaos has oftentimes caused us to doubt. And we begin to go, what? what's going on? But I also know this, that the chaos and the turmoil, I believe, has also strengthened the church. I hope you feel that. I hope you understand that. I believe that in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the struggles, that the church grows stronger, not weaker. That when persecution does arise, that the church will grow, listen, stronger, not weaker. That we don't let the outside or the external circumstances persuade us or lead us to not follow Jesus, but rather we follow Jesus no matter the cost. Why? Because his kingdom is eternal. It's forever. That he will rule and reign forever. So listen, Jesus was and is and will always continue to be the central theme of the first Christmas and he should be the center and the central theme of every Christmas in our lives. Why? Because the cradle, the cross, and the crown is the very message of why Jesus came in the first place. It's the promised hope that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Listen, God's gift of Christmas in the cradle was sending his son. At the cross was his son's sacrifice. And the crown is the promise of his coming kingdom. And all of that unites So listen, bring us peace over fear and hope over all of the chaos and difficult circumstances and situations that we can see. And while you may sit back and go, Brian, I don't understand how you can be so confident in this. I want you to understand this. The only confidence that you and I can have is the confidence of Jesus. The hope that we have in Christ. It's the greatest hope you can ever have. Why? Last I checked, money's going to fail. It's only a matter of time and it's going to fail again. Housing market's going to crash, whatever it is. 
Friends are going to leave. Friends are going to pass. Friends are going to move on. Family members are going to pass away. All of these things begin to bear a burden or begin to leave a mark on our lives. And if we let those things overwhelm us, we don't walk with peace and hope or joy. We walk with pain and anguish. And listen to me, the last I checked with Scripture, all of those things are going to come up in the lives of believers. Just as much as they come up in the lives of people who don't believe. The question is, can I walk with hope and peace and joy in the midst of those things because I have a saving faith in Jesus Christ? Or do I allow the external circumstances overwhelm me and walk in fear and struggle and doubt? That's the only hope we have is Jesus. Why? Because his kingdom is eternal and his reign is forever. Keep this in mind, Isaiah chapter 9. Again, and keep what he says, of of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Why? Because he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Forever. So here's how we want to do it. We're going to close. I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to sing a song that, that they've sung, that they've done before. They've led us in. Uh, as you're dismissed, we want to encourage you. Uh, you can give as you're going out through our offering plates. You can give online. You can text 84321. You can go to our website, church at threetrails.com, and you can give that way. We want to encourage you to continue to do this. I want to invite you back next week. We're going to be starting a new sermon series. Uh, we're actually going to be starting 21 days of prayer in January, but the sermon series we're going to start next week uh, that's going to lead us up into that. We're going to be dealing with prayer and fasting, and I'm going to ask all of you to be a part of it, that you're praying and fasting together, that we pray and fast together as a church uh, as we grow. So let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for the eternal reign of Jesus. And God, that in the midst of the circumstances and the trials, the tribulations and the struggles we face, that we can rest on the promise, the assured promise, that we will, as heirs, as co-heirs with Christ, reign eternally, Not that we overcome or usurp Jesus' authority, but that we will be with you forever in heaven. And we thank you for that, the promised hope in Jesus. And so, Lord, if there's anybody here who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus and they want to acknowledge that, they need to, God, whether they be online or here in person, God, I pray that they would contact us and do that right where you're at. You'd reach out. If you're here in person, we want to pray with you. I'm going to be up here at the end. We'd love to pray with you. If you're online, would you just contact us through Messenger? Contact us through Facebook Messenger. You can email us at info at church at threetrails.com. But we want to encourage that. Father, we pray, again, that you would have your way, that we would understand your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.